Anyway, okay. Well, this morning, we are continuing our study. We want to welcome guests, our family back. Maybe you haven't been here for a while. You're like, man, what is going on? Well, you'll see. Our, our prayer has been this way for 23 years, that you would experience the risen Christ. And the church said, and uh, so we hope you encountered him this morning through prayer, through song, through conversation, through hugs, and through the word, and ultimately through our experience of small groups at the end. If you have a copy of the scriptures, open your book over to the book of James, chapter 1, verses 9, or not verses 9, there, verses 19 through 27. This is our third week, and go back, listen to the podcast. I think last week we had a video problem, but most of the time you can catch it on Vimeo too. But here's how I'd start today. We live in a time of information explosion, no doubt. I mean, just information overload over and over. I read recently that 100 billion emails are sent each day. Uh, that's more than 10 times the population of the whole world. And this year, the number of texts will exceed 6 trillion. You're saying, well, I think my teenager does about 3 trillion. Okay, but, but I, I'm amazed how many texts we do even in this room. But listen to this. I thought this was interesting. Take the, the year that Christ was born as our starting point. It took 1,500 years for all the knowledge in the world to double. The next doubling took place, instead of 1,500, it dropped to 250 years. It doubled again to 150 years. By the end of World War II, knowledge was beginning to double. Every 25 years, knowledge base was just going up. But today, knowledge doubles. Are you ready for this? And I even think this might even be not right. Every 12 months, if, how many of you feel like, I know, I mean, it's just, man, things are changing so much. I think when we started this progressive contemporary church in 1996, we were the most high-tech progressive church in the River Region, and we had overheads and cassette tapes. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy. And you just think how things have changed. Stephen Davies says, if you happen to read the New York Times newspaper for one week, you will be exposed to more information than the average person living in the 1800s for their entire lifetime. You're like, wow, could I go back to the 1800s, okay? So this tidal wave of information, 24-7, 365. How many of you sometimes you just get so burned out, you can't wait to disconnect? Raise your hand with me if you're like that. Don and I just took a couple days off to go up to the lake to a little bed and breakfast, and I got to tell you, it was awesome just kind of disconnecting. Although I did have my phone and I had a crisis that came in, but for the most part, it was just good, just kind of disconnecting from the everyday so we just know we easily get distracted, some of us, like myself, more than others, but probably all of us do. Um, but James begins, I think, to speak to us, sitting there in the first chapter of the 19th verse. Just look there with me. In verse 19, understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Oh my goodness, that is a message in itself, and we'll try to build upon this expositionally. But what we're saying is today... We want to look at just seven traits of living with, in union with Jesus. You know, you're a Christ follower. This would be helpful if you're considering the faith. This would be helpful for you to look and contemplate how remarkable our God is. But look at the first point. I want to jump into this. Open your ears and listen more. Oh, man, that is a word for me. But probably for all of us, God wants us to be open that wisdom begins for you and I when we listen more and we just have to. The next point will build on this. 
But I, some of you say, man, I have no problem. I'm, I'm a great, some of you are great listeners. We, we, this bed and breakfast, as I talked about, and, and the lady, she was very chatty. I really enjoyed her. And she said, man, I can't wait to come to your church. Sometimes. I said, oh, great. We love you. But yet, I watched her as good as she was a gift of gab. She was an extremely good listener. She goes, I, I've really worked at that. I wanted to cultivate that. I thought, man, you're really my message today. In the, in the time when the scripture was being written and, and put together, they didn't have the written word. You had the Torah, you had different parts, but you didn't have the Bible as we know. So people had to listen. There were, there were orators, so they would go to the temple, to the synagogue, and they would listen to the story. They would listen to the, the rabbis that were rich. They, they couldn't pick up the book of James, although it's the first book of the New Testament written in a chronological order. They, they couldn't go read the book of Romans. They, they, didn't, they didn't have a smartphone app. Can you imagine being a First Testament, first century believer not having a smartphone? I mean, right now, we're like, smartphones, like, man, I, this, we, everything's on that, listening to the Word. So they had to listen. So I think that probably they were better listeners than, than us. How many would think that probably makes sense? Because they didn't, have all, they didn't have television, they didn't have all these other things that maybe distract us. But wisdom always begins when we listen more and talk less. Um, I think about this. I used to travel a lot as a speaker. And I remember when I used to get on the airplanes, I used to always pray for gospel conversations. Remember when I did the gospel fluency a series where you back six, eight, nine months, I don't know, a year ago. And, and I thought, man, and I was always praying, God, give me a divine appointment as I get on the airplane to share my faith. And then, and then sometimes I go, man, I'm really tired. I don't want to have a conversation. I'll close my eyes or whatever. But today, I've noticed you, you, almost anywhere you go, people want to have less and less conversations because they're doing what? They're looking down. You get on the plane, man, they're looking down. They, they, don't, they don't really want to talk to you anyway. Like, man, look, you know. And then sometimes, but have you ever been on a flight and they just wanted to chat incessantly 24-7? You're saying, yeah, did I sit next to you? Well, that's not always true. I mean, sometimes I just go on a, I've gotten on a plane. I just didn't want to talk. I remember one time I was flying to Houston, and, and, and I sat down. I thought, oh, this is going to be great. I'd just driven to Birmingham, catching a flight to Houston. I was buying a car on eBay. I'd done it once, and I recommend it. It was cool, but, and I had great faith. So, so I, and I sat down. I thought, man, I'm just going to have a few minutes here. And this lady, we did an hour counseling session. It, it was awesome. And, uh, but it was not what I had planned, but it's what the Lord had planned for me that day. I, I wonder, were the first century believers better off with none of the apps and all the things we have? Or are we better off because we have so many copies of the Scripture? The sad thing today is we have so many copies of the Scripture and so many translations. But I think the Bible is possibly being read, read less than it has in decades because people are so easily persuaded to do other things. Not a word, I don't, I'm not here to condemn you. That, that's not my style. If the Holy Spirit convicts you, like, okay, I, I, can, I can deal with it. I want to look. So he would say, be swift to hear, quick to listen. Open your ears, Keith. I read this. I love this as a warning. The person that says, that's just how I was born, to be busy. They turn the fact on that now they are born again. Oh, I was just born that way. You were born with a sinful, selfish nature. But when you are born again by the seed of faith, by the spirit of the living Christ in you, you have a new nature, and it means we have the ability, the antennas to listen to the word of God. Would you agree with me, church? So let's look at the second point. Controlled tongue. Talk less. Be slow to speak. Some of you are very, very good at this. Some of us are not very good, counting me. But I'm going to give you a scripture that's going to come up right here. It's not in your notes. 
God is in heaven and you are on earth. Therefore, let your words be. I don't even like that verse. Let your words be few. See, I'm going to let you know a secret. I'm an extrovert. You probably figured that out. I love to talk. I love people. And you get too introverted, too quiet, I get a headache. Because <laughs> I, I, I feel like you don't like me. I feel like I need to let the conversation have life. I, I don't like for it to breathe too long. Did some of you know what I'm talking about? Some of you that are chatty like, ah, oh, yeah. And you that are quiet like, yeah, we're, you're the ones we pray against. We, we pray that you would give us your, our space. And believe it or not, there's times that I have to have space. There, there really is. But he says, so here it is. Uh, let your words be few. It's hard to argue with that. But then I think as I study scripture, I realize I'm not near as smart as I thought I was. And probably you aren't either. We're not near as clever as we thought we were. We're not near as wise as we thought we were. Proverbs 29, 20 says, Do you see a man who speaks in haste? There is more hope for a fool than for him. So the scripture's kind of clear and full of admonitions to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and to listen more. So Lord, that's for us. I've learned this. Words can kill a relationship. They can bring life. They can be life-giving, or words can kill. I've watched words kill more marriages over the tenure of my ministry over the decades. I, I watch how we can damage people when we speak the wrong words, with the wrong tones, with the wrong attitude. But when we speak life that is life-giving, because when we speak the wrong words, do we not regret it a thousand times? And that's one thing about this whole age that I love the technology and I love the things we benefit. But sometimes we think, I need to be more clever. I need to be more uh, caustic. We don't need to be. I'm more shark. I'm more something. And I'm, gonna, I'm just going to make a quick response because I have the gift of sarcasm or whatever. And then you go, oh, I wish I did not. I'm just I'm wondering, does anybody identify with this? Sometimes you, you posted some stuff out there and you wish, I wish I could. And, and they go, oh, it, it won't last. It, it's not there. I don't believe that. All this stuff, the new app about the pictures and they can show yourself older and they're building these databases and all this. I, I just think they know far more than we think we know about it. What do you think, church? And, and this whole thing about words, I know the Lord is wiser than any Google or anybody else. And he knows that our words have life-giving capacity, but they also have the ability to just put damage out there. So, so here's the thing. Instead of just, uh, uh, here'd be one tip for you today, real practical. Instead of always hitting sin, stop, pause, slow down, wait, think about it, pray about it, and then maybe hit sin i cannot tell you how many times i've been quick to want to hit sin and the holy spirit would check me and i and and sometimes it's like wow man i was fixing to sin that I, I didn't mean that but the the tone or or it was a quick response Did, can anybody identify with this message or is this just too uh academic and it's just it's just not practical it's just an ivory tower yeah, I think everybody knows, like, man, I'm there. So we, here, here's the other thing. Look what he says here in James. He goes, you must be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. I don't know if you deal with anger. Some of us maybe deal with anger more than others. But when we do speak in an angry tone, we get in trouble. So let's fill in the third point, a calm spirit. I think that's what Christ has come to reside and give us. The Holy Spirit comes to work calmness, peace, quietness. 
uh, in the translators when they deal with this verse some would in the esv it goes become slow to anger the asv the american standards goes be slow to wrath the uh, another translation says don't get worked into a rage so easily the phillips says so don't lose your temper they all have that same connotation uh stop slow it down don't be so verbose that you your anger overrides you your emotion gets the best of you because that anger uh anger needs to be and and, and i think it's okay sometimes to get angry i mean that's that's not even unrealistic think we're never gonna get angry but i think we want to submit it we want to surrender even when we blow it then we want to quickly be willing to confess and repent and turn and surrender that to christ uh like here's one i know we can get control i know we have control and i hear people oh it's just who i am i just don't have control that's a lie let me let me take let me let me give an example here it is perfect i know y'all never done this in your home you've never had uh, a dispute with your mate you've never had a crossword well then you've not been married very long okay and somebody calls you and i don't know who comes into your house into that body hi how are you doing man are you having a good day and your tone and demeanor changes and you get calmness on the inside and the other mate is sitting there looking at you like you're a hypocrite who is that has that ever happened to anybody besides me come on you're in church yeah see so what happened is it, it came under check didn't it so we know our anger has the, the ability to come under control if the right person checks on it, especially if somebody calls us, because we don't want to be, like, I've learned a lot about you through your children. I have a report every Monday that all the teachers send me. It, it's a cool thing. I started, no, I don't have a report, because I would be the one burned. You know, I had kids that grew up in this church, and I have grandchildren. But it is amazing when you work with the precious kids, the little lambs of God that go to Christ's community, you learn about what goes on at your house. And they said in the most non-assuming, innocent, pure manner, and we'll just leave it at that. Some of you are like, oh my goodness, I never thought about it, man. I should be better when I'm on the way to church. I don't know anything. So quick speaking leads to quick anger. So God wants us to slow down. Listen to what Proverbs 16, 32. He says, whoever is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules a spirit than he who takes a city. The scripture would say, be a patient person. Be a patient warrior. Uh, Jesus didn't come to make you and I nicer. He came to make us new. I love that song, Living Hope. Christ is the living hope of God, the living hope of glory that dwells in us by faith. And he wants to make me new and make you new. You say, well, I, I just want to be up for just, you know, some kind of rehab program, or I just want some, you know, better flow of my life but i don't know about this new stuff well that's what it is therefore if anyone is in christ he's a new creation the old the old is gone the old has passed away and the what the what come on the word n-e-w the new has come i was preaching revival this past week i did two different churches on sunday night and monday night and and we always were you know all these great texts and going through but then we talked in one session as we closed about becoming new being new in the savior I mean, it's the theme of the gospel. It's what Christ does. Uh, listen to what it says here. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. In the CEV, Contemporary English Version, it says, if you're angry, you cannot do any of the good things that God wants done. My anger always gets me in trouble. Your anger gets you in trouble. Your anger causes you to not do things. Your anger causes you to do things that you wish you had not done, not thrown, I mean, not said, 
I, I don't know. I, I don't. I've never been one to throw stuff. I mean, it's a, you know, I, I've always often wondered. Like people say, "Oh yeah, man." So you know, if I'm being honest with you, Pastor, that lamp over there is broke because she threw it at me. I'm like, man, I throw it at you too. You know, I don't know. It's just kind of funny, but it's not funny if you're being thrown at. Okay, here we go. So anger leads to jealousy, harsh words. Sometimes, let's face it, anger leads to murder. It does. So anger is, I think, as I was doing some studying this, I thought about a new way. Anger is energy released to protect something. When we get angry, we're trying to protect something. Usually it's our it's ourselves, it's our it's our image, our self-image of how we want others to view us, or, or you've invaded my territory, my turf, so to speak. So I'm angry because you've, you've, you've offended me. And I'd say this morning, Jesus has always called us to lay our offenses down. And the church said, that's a good word, because anger never pleases God. Ephesians says, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God in Christ has forgiven you. So God, you have showered out grace on us. Help me to be a conduit that I shower grace on other people. Because people need to hear a kind word. They need to hear that Christ is real, not just with your tongue, but in your deeds. This, this local service projects, local missions that we're talking about, those are just great expressions of the love of Christ. I'm going to invite you again to get involved, not to just talk about what we should do. Let's be doers of the word. We'll, we'll talk about it in depth as we go through this. So Jesus didn't come to make us nicer. He came to make us new, to be active, to have the qualities of Christ in us. But at the anger, let me, let me just say this. I'm, I'm going to move on. So here it is. You know, calm spirit, calm down. At the heart of anger, listen, you know what the root of anger is? Pride. Write pride on your worship guide today and circle it. I feel like I can trace almost every sin to pride. At the root of your anger and my anger, is pride that something has been done against me so my prayer is lord jesus transform us in this room those that will listen those that will watch it on vimeo transform us by the power of christ look at the fourth one clean heart he so he's moving on now here human anger he, so verse 21 so get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives put it away and humbly accept the word of god that has been planted in your hearts for it has the power to save your soul ridding myself of moral filth uh, on the inside oh we could have outward display but the the we we learned that we're enticed so easily drawn away by the own evil enticements the desires of our heart so so we we need we need cleaning it's like uh you, you ever been out working and really working hard and sweating and nasty and and you, you remember when you're uh, here it is you remember when you were a kid i, I remember this I, I could hear my mama uh, yeah, man, she, she got killed when I was nine years old in a car wreck, but I still can hear her when I was about seven years old. I remember one day I'd been out playing hard, and I was just nasty. And I remember coming to the back door. Boy, you ain't coming in this house. I live here. You are nasty. I want you to strip right now. Huh? I want you to strip because you ain't going to get my house dirty because I just mopped that floor. And after you strip, you head straight to the tub. Yes, ma'am. And I did. Drop my drawers and ran. I mean, you know, I'm like seven years old. It ain't a big deal, you know? And, and, and see, y'all think that's funny. Did your mom and I do that to you one time? I mean, go ahead and be honest. I know. Zach, did your mom do that? Somebody, come on. I know you're saying, well, I was a little girl. They did. Oh, oh, good. I'm glad y'all were modest at your house, and that's great. But the bottom line is, I wasn't going to get that floor dirty. If I did, I was going to pay for it, you know? 
Well, here it is. It's, it's, that's kind of a funny way, but it's like God says, get rid of this moral filth on the inside. Uh, today, we, we call it, we're sophisticated. We, people build homes and they build mud rooms. You wash off the mud in that room. I know about you hunters. You're dirty people. I love hunters, but man, they, they're just nasty. They come in, they got stuff all over, mud, mud on their boots. The trucks, man, they're caked in mud. The driveway, the garage, everything's just full of mud. Tell you what, you should have had my mama. Okay, here we go. So, so sin, you, you know what I've learned about this moral filth? It makes me deaf to God. I don't, I don't hear the voice of God when I choose to embrace and hold on to my sin. So I think James just gives a simple word here. Get rid of it, the filth, the evil. Put it away. But then he gives us something to do. Now, humbly accept, receive the word of God. Uh, this filthiness, I want to run back to this. Here's what it says. Filthiness in the Greek, this is kind of gross, but I told you many times the Greek language is much more specific, exact than ours. And here's what it refers to. Okay, this is gross, but it's the Greek, okay? So don't get on me. It refers to the wax in your ear. Now, I don't know about you, I, I, I like Q-tips. I know doctors go, you're not supposed to use them. Well, I don't know, I ain't keeping that stuff in my ear, okay? And you get the earwax out, you remove the filth. How many of y'all use Q-tips on a regular basis? Just go ahead. Yeah. And the person didn't raise your hand and say, you need one. No, 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 don't, don't say that. I, I've learned that some people's ears don't produce a lot of wax. I don't get that, but, but mine do. So, so this whole thing, removing moral filth, it, in the Greek, it's just like removing the wax, that Lord, and, and see, see what I'm talking about, don't be deaf to God. As I remove the filth, as I remove the wax, I want to lean in. I want to listen to the voice of the Almighty. Remember we said be quick to listen, slow to speak. God, give me ears to hear. I prayed that prayer this morning as I do most days. Lord Jesus, could you give me ears to hear? Give me ears to hear your voice. Give me eyes to see the kingdom of christ i have to slow down because i run like you do to and fro and i miss the voice and the beauty of god so lord help me to repent that means to change my mind Re here, here's what i'd say when he talks about getting rid of moral filth and accept the word of god repentance always breaks the the power of control of anger or sin in our life repentance just breaks the breaks the arm of it. it it breaks the power we used to sing a song around here it was called break every chain well that's what it is god break the chains of deceit break the chains of sin break the chain of addiction break the chain lord jesus and set me free that i can worship christ the living hope let's move to the fifth one a humble attitude here receive the word receive the implanted word some translations say i, I love that it, 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 it means to be stripped bare, to lay open my heart before a holy God. God, do something in me. Lord, your word is a seed. Plant your word in my heart. Jesus Christ is the living word. Christ, the hope of glory. Christ, come and fill me. Lord, give me a teachable spirit. As we're going through the book of James as a faith family, God, give me the heart to be taught because I want to learn, but I want to obey. He who loves me will obey me, says Jesus. I don't want you to just come on Sunday mornings and go, oh, that was entertaining, or that was good, or that was helpful, but I want us to obey that which we have heard. God, that's what you want. You want me, 
in the body to be obedient. You want us to receive the word in faith. Lord, now, we're ready to hear your voice. We want to hear your voice, God. I hear God's voice a lot of ways, primarily here. And so do you, if you'll be a person of the word. I hear God's word in worship. I hear his, his word, I hear his voice through songs. I hear him speak through other people sometimes. I hear him. I see his kingdom with the eyes of faith. He is the living word. But in that, listen to this. I, I, want, you to look, I want you to see a word you might not have seen. Get rid of the filth and humbly accept the word of God. Circle the word humbly. It means to have humility. Humility there that God wants. You know how you grow with the implanted word of God? You have the fertilizer of humility. And if you really want to grow as a Christian, you got to take on humility. You know, you know when like uh, it's springtime or whatever and we're trying to grow our lawns or whatever and we, and we fertilize because we know that's going to produce a harvest and then we've had this drought and now we're getting rain. Oh man, has it rained the last few days? Praise God. Anybody praising God for the rain? We've needed it. And things are starting to flourish. You're going to start cutting the grass more. But we need the rain of God. We need the rain of the Holy Spirit. We also need fertilizer to come on us. So then I thought about this, humbly accept the word of God. Here it is. There's two kind of readers. Not going to come up in your notes. This is bonus. There's deceived Bible readers that just read, but they don't really take it in. They don't really have a heart to obey. They're just deceived. And then there's the blessed Bible readers. They read to do. They read to know. They read to have understanding. They read to have unity, to have union with the Word of God. We read the Word. We reflect on the Word. Reflecting means we dig for the treasure. Do you believe God's Word is a treasure? It is. It's a treasure for my soul and yours. So God wants us to read. He wants us to reflect. He also wants us to remember the Word. And I've talked to you, and I won't do it for this sake of time, but we, we reflect. And, and, and as we remember the Word, I would say journal. I've told you, I've done that for decades. I encourage you to journal the Word of God, to remember that which God has said to you. Because I, think our, I don't think our minds are not near as sharp as they think they are. And the church said, how many of you cannot remember near the stuff you used to remember and you struggle a little bit now? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think sometimes I walk into the other room and I don't remember why I walked into the other room. That didn't, that didn't happen to y'all? And then what I do is I retrace my steps hoping that I might find it on the way. I mean, I do that around the church sometimes. I got all these thoughts going through and, and sometimes I write on, sometimes I remember, sometimes, ah, well, what was it, you know? And so, we, we, need to, so we, we journal, God, as we get to know you. And then as we remember, we respond to the word, not forgetting that which God has said, which God has spoken to us in the light. God, help me to remember and respond to the word. But look at verse 6. Here it is. So there's a humble attitude. There's the actions of a doer. We respond to God, to his voice, by doing that which he has called us to do or he's spoken to us. And so be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Here's, here, here's our vernacular. Do what it says. Just do it. You know, the old Nike slogan. But God, help us to just do that which you have said. And that sounds so trite and so easy and it's so difficult. But it always brings blessing. It always brings peace. It always brings joy. It always brings harmony. God, I want to look in the mirror. And the mirror is your word. And as I look in the word, I see myself. I pray I reflect Christ in me, the hope of glory. 
But Lord, I need to look into the Word. And as I look into the Word, I see the error of my way. I see the faithfulness of God. I see maybe some faithfulness in my own life. The work that the Holy Spirit's producing in me as I look to Christ. Is the implanted Word dwells in me as Christ dwells in me, as the Word fills me, I had victory. God, thank you for that. Lord, I don't want to be cleansed from my hidden faults. Write down Psalm 19.12. Cleanse me from those hidden faults. I don't know about you. I am consistently, regularly, on a basis, convicted by the Word of God and contradicted by what I think when I read the Word. How about you? Because this is pure truth. This is the Word of God, the eternal, infallible Word of God. So God speaks. So God, when I read, I've told you this before, God, let the Bible read me. I want you to read your Bibles. Don't hear me wrong. It is critical we read our Bibles and study our Bibles and, and thank God for the Word. But just as important is it that the Bible reads me. And when this Bible reads me, ah, sometimes, a lot of times I go, man, I fall so short of the glory of God. But I'm so grateful to have a guide that leads me on the path. So here it is. So we, we are actions. We, we, we're a doer. We, we, Lord, we don't want to forget. We want to love one another. We don't want to forget that. We want to pray without ceasing. We definitely don't want to forget that. We want to rejoice always. Don't forget that. In all things, we want to give thanks. That's what the Scripture says. We don't want to forget that. But God, above all, I don't want to forget what I've heard or what I've read. And the church said, like right now, if I gave a test next weekend, what did I preach on today? You'd be like, I don't know, preacher. It was really good, though. You're like, man, I don't know. I was just glad. You know, it's always interesting. Y- y'all telling yourself all the time, oh, pastor, I really like that message. Oh, pastor, I-, I didn't like that one too much. I wish Susie would have come to that. Oh, God, I like that. Uh, you know, I- and I know what your likes and dislikes are. And, but, you know, at the end of the day, I'm here to preach the complete word of Jesus Christ. Amen? If I just preach the text I like, there's a lot of things I have, would not have preached the last 23 years at this church. Because some of these things are hard. But God knows what we need. All right, so he gives us the Ten Commandments, gives us the Scripture. Sometimes we get bored and like, God, I want to move you past that. But here, move with me quickly. i got to land the plane. Oh, man, because we're having small groups today, I tell you. Okay, here we go. Number seven, Christ-like demonstration. Now, this is good. Not all religion is acceptable to God, but that which is pure and holy and after him and undefiled. You could spend your life being religious You could spend your life going to church. You could spend your life singing the right songs. You could spend your life doing a lot of things and never be changed by the Spirit of Jesus. My prayer is that you will connect daily with Christ and have a relationship with Him. One of the reasons we added body life that we do at the end of the service now is to connect you with the message and with other believers that you might grow and be stimulated in your faith. Um, But the word religious... You know, it wasn't even a great word in the day of, of James. It, you know, I mean, man, they practice the faith, they have church attendance, they give, they sing. But here's what I'd say to us today. Write it down. I don't so much need Sunday faith. I need Monday morning faith and Wednesday afternoon faith and Saturday afternoon faith. And the church said, that's when I, I need it every day. People need to see Christ on display because I'm a doer of the word. I'm a demonstration. But look what he says here. He, he moves down here and he goes, don't claim to be religious. Control your tongue. We'll talk about the tongue in the third chapter. But look at verse 27. And, and, and y'all can come, team. Pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for the orphans and the widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. Now, there it is. 
he, I, I could have spoken a long time about speech, but we'll do that later. But Christ-like demonstration, it means that true religion, true faith, always moves you and me into action for those that are oppressed, those that are downtrodden, those that need attention. And the two camps that he talks about are two that are precious to the heart of God. Orphans and widows. And God says, I want you to love them. I want you to pay attention to them. I want you to support them. Listen to what the Word of God says. Write these verses down. You can meditate on these. The Old Testament echoes this. Exodus 22, 22. Do not take advantage of the widow or the fatherless. Isaiah 1, 17. Defend the cause of the orphans. Fight for the rights of the widows. Zechariah 7, 10. Do not oppress the widow or the orphan here in james he talks about the widow and the and the orphan and caring for them so you know in our church did y'all know in our small beautiful fellowship we have eight widows in our church that god has called us to love them to support them to believe in them to come alongside them and the church said and the church said amen and also he says and for the poor and the oppressed you come alongside them but for the orphan you care for them that's why this whole fostering thing and, and adopting children is so beautiful because it's the heart of the father so lord the lord says care for them man i've got so much more but here's the good part about what we're doing you get to do more study and discussion in the next 15 minutes in your groups i'm going to have a prayer with us and then what we're going to do is let me, let me see uh, i think i wrote them down oh i left my note back there Okay, there's, there's about five of you. Candace, you stand up. Eric, you stand up. Come on, Sandy, you stand up. Come on, y'all know who you are. Uh, Zach, you and April stand up. Kevin, I think you and uh, your wife, April, stand up. Okay, uh, y'all just stand up for a minute. Y you see these beautiful people? Like, okay, you got to move because y'all are in the same section, okay? What we're going to do is last week, you might move over to this section, you and Kevin. Last week, the sections were too big. We want to break you up into groups of about eight or nine. And, and let me tell you, you don't have to talk. So don't, somebody's like, man, I wish I'd used deodorant because I'm like perspiring and freaking out right now. This is one of the most awesome things we do. We're going to get you to have discussion in your small groups. I've got questions that are going to come up. Go ahead and throw them up there. I got a lot of them today, so you don't have to do them all, but do what God leads. But connect with one another. Let's pray, and then we'll turn our circles around, and I'll come back and close us. God, we are grateful for study for the word of Christ, for the power of the gospel. Lord, we are grateful for the book of James, for instruction and direction for our lives. And today, Lord, help us to be better listeners and ultimately doers of the word. In Jesus' name, amen. Here's what we want you to do. We want you to circle up in groups. So y'all kind of, and we'll pull the chairs back in a minute. Come on, Sandy, get a group. Here, come on, y'all get them. Get your groups. Hey, April, you and Kevin move over to that side there. We're not going to hurt anybody during this, I promise. It'll be really painless.